as we pray bold prayers and expect divine breakthrough, we can pray prayers that we can answer ourselves. Like, God, help me to clean the house. He's like, clean the house. Like, that's just, you don't have to pray for breakthrough on that. Just clean the house. But there are some prayers that God's calling us to pray that we have to pray bold. It has to be courageous prayer because if he doesn't come through, there's no way it can really happen. That's been really the vision of Timber Creek Church. We have a bold, big vision to create community destinations where anyone can find and follow Jesus. And so if you're joining us over at Nacogdoches, we, we built that location with big, bold prayers, believing that, that God, we're going to cast nets and you're going to fill it. And God has been doing miracles in Nacogdoches. We started over at Duncan and Dieball. We uh, made additions and now have launched the online campus. We have Iglesia Timber Creek meeting over in our student center at the broadcast location. And we got to pray big, bold prayers and we're just getting started. And I'm in this season that we're in, I know that from uh, emotional, physical, spiritual, relational, there are some walls. Uh, there are some challenges. And God wants to bring us into a place of, of breakthrough. But it starts with us praying breakthrough prayers. And so today as we put a bookend on this series, we started with Jacob and how he needed a breakthrough in his own life. And he was wrestling with his own adversary, his own brother, his oldest brother Esau. But really, he wasn't really wrestling with, his, with Esau, he was wrestling with God. Nehemiah, who was rebuilding the city walls of Jerusalem for provision and protection. But really, we aren't Nehemiah who build up the walls of protection, Jesus builds our walls of protection and he helps us with provision. We're Jerusalem, we're not Nehemiah and he wants to cleanse us and empower us and rebuild us one step at a time. But really, we've built this whole series on these thoughts. Uh, you can jot these down if you're taking notes. They're not filling the blanks, but you can just jot them somewhere. Since creation, God desires to draw near to us. The Bible is not a story about people trying to draw close to God. The Bible is one story about God wanting to draw close to you and to me. The challenge is, the antagonist, the issue, the conflict is, since creation, we've been messing it up. We've been addicted to taking matters into our own hands. I want to be God. I want to be on the throne. Sin is not the act you commit. Sin is the authority you reject. And when I say, I want to take life into my own hands, my own spiritual walk, my own decision making, my, my, what's best for me and the way I see it and not the way God sees it. And I use my own thoughts and my own energy and my own emotions as the moral compass for my life instead of the word of God and his spirit guiding me as the moral compass of our lives. That creates sin because sin is basically, I'm on the throne, God scoot over that's what sin is. And God says, look, 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 there's only room for one king. You can be a son, you can be a daughter, but there's only room for one king. And so the question that we've been asking, if God's drawing near to us and we're addicted to taking matters into our own hands, which causes us to sin, how are we, with all our sins and flaws, able to stand in the presence of a holy God all throughout the book the, the book of God, the word of God, all, all, all Old Testament and New Testament, God is showing us, even though I want to draw near and even though you keep pushing me away, I'm still going to build a bridge for you to gain access. And that bridge is not a structure. That bridge is not religion. That bridge is not the do's and don'ts. That bridge is a person and the bridge is Jesus. 
And we've been working through these different stories. Today, instead of Genesis or Ezra and Nehemiah, we're going to go to uh, the books uh, First and Second Chronicles. Now, these are not the sexiest books of the Bible. I'm just going to tell you right now, okay? If you love reading the phone book, you're going to love reading First and Second Chronicles. I'm just going to tell you, okay? So most people don't like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, draw a bath, put some bubbles in it, and read the phone book. But that's kind of what Chronicles is. It's a history, one of the 12 history books in the Old Testament, and it is chock full of names of this person begat this person. It is like Ancestry.com, 23andMe on steroids, okay? It is just a bunch of begats. This, per- cha- this person begat this person begat this person begat this person begat this person. Chapter two, this person begat this person. Like it is just full, 600 different names all through the first nine books alone. So I know that people that read through the Bible, they get to first and second Chronicles and they're like, ah, like because it's a challenge to get through all of that history. But I just wanna remind you, nothing's wasted in scripture. Nothing's wasted. There's a purpose there. And, and in between all these 600 names, there is the author takes two verses and he stops his cadence of this person begat this person begat this person begat this person. And he stops in 1 Chronicles chapter 4 and he give us a, gives us a little insight about this one guy. This one guy. And his name is Jabez. Years ago, there was a, a book written about this particular character in the Bible called The Prayer of Jabez. And that's what 1 Chronicles chapter 4, 9, and 10, that's what it is. It's a prayer of this guy named Jabez. And we're gonna take a deep dive into these components of Jabez's breakthrough prayer and apply it to everyday life today. And so in 1 Chronicles 4, it starts like this. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. There was something that set him apart, something that, that, that made him stand out and stand up across everybody else. Goes on to say that his mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. So liter- literally, quite literally, his name means he causes pain. I know some of you now wish you would have named your kids that. That makes for an awkward kickball team, you know. I'll pick Susie, I'll pick John, I pick pain, you know. But that was Jewish tradition. Many times people would be named after an experience or an emotion at birth. And, and so, I mean, could you imagine if we were still doing that today? Naming our kids after our own experiences and our own emotions, our own experiences. You know, uh, here are my four children. I want to introduce them to you. This is Christmas Eve. This is Valentine's Day. <laughs> this is uh, whoopsie. <laughs> and this is our fourth child quarantine. <laughs> you know. But there was this tradition, there, there, was, there was something powerful in the naming rights of their kids. And there's something powerful about that too. You don't just let anybody name your kids. Uh, it's a process. You go through it. You know, I don't know. We'll, we'll, just, see what he, we'll just see what happens. We'll just, you know, <laughs> roll the dice, you know. Uh, no, you, 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 you put effort into it. And isn't it interesting how you'll come up with a name. I say, hey, what about this name? And, and, and Janet was like, no, I knew that. I knew a girl named that in high school. And I was like, we, I'm not naming my daughter of that name, <laughs> you know. And so, you know, you kind of have that. Well, write this down in your notes. There is power in the words I say over myself and others. There's power in the words we use. And there was power in the name given to Jabez. So much to the point where he felt there was identity in that 
in that name. Now, it shouldn't come to a surprise, as a surprise to us. When, when you see that we're made in the image of God, there's power in the words that God says, and he creates us in his image. And although we are not God, he has um, empowered and delegated authority. You see this description in Genesis chapter 2 when he creates Adam. Look, look, look at this. Now, the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And so he gives Adam this responsibility of his words to name the animals. And Adam's like, aardvark. And he's like, really? I would have named it something else, but okay, aardvark it is. And here's, here's how that scripture ends. It says, whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. Now, although that's descriptive, not really prescriptive for us, do you see that that power still exists? That many people are living an identity based on the words others and themselves have spoken over their life. How many people right now, you're living an identity trying to prove dad wrong? Living an insecurity trying to prove that person wrong or trying to prove them right so many times we can be identified by the words the book of proverbs says it like this your words are poison or fruit they give life or they kill you decide you decide you have power over the word there are there's power in the words i say over myself and others convenience monitor guys so here's what we're going to ask if there's power in the words I say over myself and others, what we need to understand is God, not me, has the final word over you. God has the final word over your father, over this. God has the final word. But that's not even a better way. Let, let's cross that out. Let's, let's give it a better way. God is the word. In the book of John, John says it like this. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, his breathed word, his word is an answer to the question you've been asking, who am I, what am I all about? The most important uh, uh, two days in your life are the day you're born and the day you discover why, and God has an answer for both of those days. He has a solution for who you are, knit in your mother's womb, he knows you, and where you're headed and what you're doing. You know, part of our process here, we say it like this, your God-given potential is our mission, your God-given potential is way beyond the naming rights or, or how you've identified yourself just in your own life. But God, your God-given potential is the mission of this church. And that potential is known deeper uh, as we begin to discover it and we flesh it out. And Starting Point, which is one of the groups that we're providing every month, starts first Sunday of the month. You can join any time, but it starts the first Sunday of the month. And it's four weeks long, first Sunday, second Sunday, third Sunday. Fifth Sunday, no, it's the fourth Sunday, it's one, two, three, four, very easy. And you can join that at any time and, and understand kind of what the church is about and also discover your own identity. So we don't go to men to discover who we are. We don't just sit and settle in on what dad said or what mom said, but we go to God to discover who we really are. And so this is what Jabez prays. A guy who's named by the pain he caused Here's his prayer. Jacob cried out to the God of Israel. He didn't just 
kind of nonchalantly, there was emotion connected to it. We have two extremes in our emotions these days. Out of control emotion and don't show your emotion. Out of control emotion and don't show your emotion. Okay? Out of control emotions never produce God-honoring results in your life. And never identifying your emotions, that doesn't produce God-honoring results in your life either. And the church, you know, if we're not careful, we, we condemn people for showing their emotion or we say you're not really spiritual enough unless you show all this emotion. And, and God helps, God is full of, of the purest emotion. Where do you think you get your emotions from? And Jabez cries out, there's, there's emotion there. He cries out to the God of Israel. He says, oh, that you would bless me. Oh, that you would bless me. So, what I want to invite you to do is take these four pieces of this prayer of Jabez and we're going to break them down and then we're going to apply them and ask some questions of ourselves about these particular elements of this prayer. So the first piece we see, Jacob cries out, he connects with his emotion, and the first thing is he prays for blessing. It's okay to ask God to bless it's okay to ask of God. He says, bring it on. I'm the provider. How many times do we ask Facebook to be the provider? We ask the job to be the ultimate Jehovah Jireh, the provider. Instead, God wants us to pray for blessing and he is promised he will bless. Psalm 18 says it like this. The psalmist says, you give me your shield of victory and your right hand sustains me. You stoop down to make me great. God is not standing beyond the walls of heaven looking over, wondering when you're gonna mess up and get it wrong so he can slap you in the face with a belt. He stoops down to make you great. He reaches to your level. He draws near to you. Ultimately, the way he stoops down is by providing his son not to be just the ultimate king, but the ultimate servant and reach us where we are in the middle of our mess in the middle of our sin and he stoops down to make us great father abraham who had many sons many sons had father abraham i'm one of them so are you father abraham god gives this promise and he says i'm gonna bless you abraham i'm gonna bless you with descendants that outnumber the stars in the heavens but he goes on to say this which is very important god isn't looking to bless abraham just to bless abraham there's always, we are not a vessel that contains blessings. We are conduit that carries blessings. You are, you are not a vessel to contain blessings. You are a conduit to carry blessings, to allow blessings to flow through you. I will bless you and you will be a blessing to others. Just getting stuff from God, he ain't no slot machine. That's the, that's the, 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 the challenge of a, a, a prosperity gospel where God just wants you rich, that, 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 if it doesn't make sense across the globe, it, does, it's not, it doesn't make sense biblically. So we have to understand that God blesses in order to be a blessing. God, God is not concerned about everybody being rich. He's concerned about everybody being a faithful steward. I'll bless you, you'll be a blessing to others. You know, there's this story about these three guys. It's about the kingdom of God. And Jesus tells this story about one guy who had one bag of gold his friend who had four bags of gold and his other friend who had five bags of gold. And when the master came back to check on their gold, the, the four bag of gold guy made it into eight, the five made it into 10, the one made it into one because he buried the gold. And, and, and the master disciplines the person who buried the gold. 
Now, can I show you something about that story? The story goes, he doesn't give everybody the same thing. Don't be all upset that they got five and you got four. Don't be upset that you got one and they got five. Be faithful with what you have. That's blessing. Be faithful with what you have. I'll bless you and you'll be a blessing to others. We're to be conduit where God would, would, would take his blessings and we can pray for them, but he never intends us to just hoard it to ourselves. Do you know at, at Timber Creek Church, we are not called to be a bank account. We're a silo. If you let the grain stay in the silo for too long, that grain's going, it, it's going to rot. You, you, you have to be able to store and use, store and plant. And we're, we're not called to be a bank account, a savings and loan. We're called that when God brings in the finances, uh, his finances through the people, that we are able to be a blessing and use those to expand the kingdom of God. One way that we all did that, because you give, we were able to give all those groceries away. You know, this is what, this, this is what was inside those boxes all of this, all these blessings we were able to give out to 1,200 families yesterday. We don't want to just be blessed. We want to be a blessing. Come on, let's thank the Lord for all of this great stuff that God was able to provide. I mean, the onions, I mean, I don't know. People were crying saying thank you, but I think it was because of the onions. I don't know. So let me ask you this question. Let me ask you a question. We're going to pray for blessings, but, 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 but let, me, let me ask you an important inventory question. If you were God and you knew you, would you trust you with more? If you were God and you knew you and you were saying, God bless me, would God trust you with more? Because if he doesn't trust you with what you have, if you're not being faithful with what you have, the prayer of blessing for more doesn't make sense because you're doing it out of order. Furthermore, furthermore, sometimes the blessings we're looking for, God doesn't define blessings that way. In fact, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says, hey, blessed are the poor in spirit. That doesn't mean um, blessed are the poor, like I'm closer to Jesus because I drive a car that isn't, you know, doesn't, it breaks down all the time, but that makes me a better Christian. Like it's okay to have nice stuff. I got nice stuff. Our family's blessed with nice stuff. I also know what it's like to not have nice stuff. To have, a, to have a, a, a whole lot of nice debt and not stuff, okay? I know what that's like. But blessed are the poor in spirit, what does that mean? When you can walk humbly with your God and, and know, I don't have it all figured out. That's the challenge of riches, is that when we get stuff, we think that we're in charge, that we're the king. And that's why that when we love money, it can be a root of evil. It can keep us relying on ourselves and not God. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, meaning, God, I need you. I need you every single day. What would I do without you? Blessed are the peacemakers. God bless me, but I'm really ticked off at this person. I'm going to let them know on Snapchat and Facebook. I can, if, if, if you were God and you knew you, could he trust you with more? And, and the truth is, God has an organization to his blessings. There's an order to it. Write this down. When order is restored, blessings are released. And we can see that Jabez understood the order. Here's the order. Here's the order. It's not complicated. You know what? We love to make finances and everything complicated. ETFs, IRAs, 403s, 401s, OMGs, you just name it. Like, we just make it complicated. God's process for everything is very simple. Very simple. Two words. His strategy for your life. Two words. You ready? Me first. 
And not you first, God first. God says, me first, me first, me first. That's it, that's it. That's his strategy for everything. Put me first. When order is restored and he's first, blessings are released. So look at what Jabez said. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. The very first commandment given by God to Moses was, thou shall have no other gods before me. And the second was very close. Don't even make any graven images of other gods. Because their sin was trying to get things out of order. And instead of putting God first, they would say, okay, God, you're cool, but it also needs to rain. So we're going to kind of pray to the rain God over here. And we're going to pray to the fertility God over here. And we're going to pray to the harvest God over here. And God says, no, 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 no. Don't pick up all those customs. Put me first. And when order is restored, blessings are released. First in your time. First in your week. That, that, guess what, everybody? You didn't even know. You're putting it in order. Sunday morning, first day of the week, putting God first by being in his house is part of putting your life in order. Do you know what we call machines that have out of order signs on them? Broken. When you do life out of order, you're living broken. You're living an out of order broken life. And he wants to, or, and Jabez was putting things in the right order. And so here goes, he cries out to the God of Israel, and here is, the, is his prayer. God, that you would bless me. And the second part is, God, that you would enlarge my territory. Number two, pray for influence. An expansion of your territory isn't just a geographical thing. It's not geography, it's more influential. An expansion of his territory would have given him influence more than just land. And what Jabez is praying for, more honorable than his brothers, he prayed for blessing and he prayed for an enlargement of his territory. He's praying for influence. Now, how do we define influence? Let me give you a working definition for influence. It's not in your notes, but you can jot it down. It's really having capacity to make a difference in the character, the convictions, and the conduct of someone or something. Leaders, leadership is influence. That's what leadership is. Capacity to make a difference in the character, convictions, and conduct of someone or something. A structure, a thought process, a people group, a school, a home, law enforcement, you name it. Influence is having capacity to make a difference. Now, if you're going, we could talk about influence the rest of the service. But let me just give you two key ingredients to build your influence today. Influence ingredient number one. You gotta have it if you really want strong, positive influence in people's life. Number one, respect. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. I'm gonna I'm find, you're gonna find out what it means to me, okay? Respect is, is really anchored. It's developed, it's empowered, it's given octane, respect, not by the position you hold, but by what you do in that position, by how you operate. There's a certain level of respect just in the authority of the position, but then there's a deeper respect that comes by the way you operate in that position. And it has to do with these two pieces, character and competency. So, so think about like if you were like, you were like a mechanic, okay? You gain respect from your shop, your, your mechanic's shop with character and competency. And the way you build that is you won't cheat them because you got character and you got skills to pay the bills. 
Like, you can have a great character and never cheat anybody, but if you can't clean out the carburetor, you know, we're going to have issues. Like, you got to be a good person and do good stuff, okay? That's how you build respect, that, that you're going to do the right thing even when it might cost you, and that you know how to operate. That builds respect and influence. Pray for that. God, strengthen my character. God, I want to be, I want to be a, don't just be a Christ follower who shows up late at work. Like build the competencies. Like be the one that's on time. Be the one that excels. Be the one that strives. Be the one that doesn't make the same excuse that Sally's making. Like be, be the one that's building those competencies. Influence number two. Here's the next ingredient. Relationship. The way you gain influence with people, respect and relationship, respect and relationship, competency and character, and then relationship, there are two key components to relationship. Here they are, time and trust. Now think about this, like a marriage, like a marriage. If you're not putting time in, or if you don't trust, you're not gonna have a strong relationship. There's definitely not gonna be respect. So you've got to know that you are with them. There's time in and you care about them and they feel safe. There's something powerful about time and trust and trust is really answering the number one question we're all asking since birth. Am I safe? Am I safe? Do you know it's, it's the trust that's broken in an affair? It's not the actual affair. I mean, that's, a, that's an issue, but it's the trust. Think about it like this. If if you have a chair in your living room and every night you go and you just plop down in the chair, you're not sitting there trying to check the chair and the legs and pushing on and saying, I wonder if it'll hold me today, you know? You just kind of, you just flop down on it because you trust that chair. And in a marriage, when trust is broken, it's like, a, it's like a leg that's broken and you fall into that relationship and you get hurt. Well, now it's really difficult. You it's hard to fall into that chair again until trust is rebuilt. Why can't we just get over this? Because trust takes time. Regardless of what that issue is, when trust is broken, it hurts relationship. And so if you want to have influence, God, I pray for expanding of territory. You're praying for influence of your relationships, your respect, but it's going to cause you to pick up some disciplines that God wants you to have in time and trust, character and competency. So look at this. If these are the key influences, can I tell you that right now, the Sunday, this is the Sunday before our kids go back to school. Spring break is over! Thank you, God! Get out of here, kids! Bye! Let me tell you who has a ton of influence with your children. Teachers. Ton of influence with your kids. Some of you are going to be teachers for the first time ever. Oh, dear Jesus. Dear Jesus, please don't let our kids get stupid. <laughs> But I know that a lot of our teachers from kindergarten to senior in college, 
There's new things that they're navigating. There's new terrain to traverse. And I wish we could focus on all the teachers, even the new teachers that are parents that are going to choose to teach inside the house this time. Uh, we appreciate you, but I, I'm talking about those that have influence outside of their own home. So what I want to ask is, if you're a teacher at the Nacogdoches location or right here from kindergarten to 12th grade in private or public school, I want to ask you to just stand quickly. Just stand where you are. Private, there we go. In the back over here, there at, at, at uh, the, the Nacogdoches location. Stand up, stay up, stay up. And our dream team is coming right now. They just want to give you a little thank you card. And in that thank you card, yeah, give it up for them. And you say, I I'm a homeschool parent. I, I have a, a school. Hey, if... if Meet us in the back. We'll take care of it if you need it. But this is really not about our own families. This is about beyond our own sphere of influence and into other spheres. And so, teachers, I, I, if you received that card, um, inside that card, just a little thank you note from uh, Janet and I. Um, and then there's a, there's a $50 bill in there. And here's what we are asking you. To, here's what we're doing. That's from Timber Creek Church. And this is what we're asking you to, to do. Take that $50 bill. Pray over it. Wait and listen and however God would want to leverage your influence in your classroom or in a particular student's life, maybe they're coming in and there's holes in their shoes. And you've waited and listened and it's February and you haven't spent that $50 yet and you realize one of your kids doesn't have a, a coat. Or it's you're just going to have a party for everybody. and you just spend, it's, it's not up to us to determine. It's up to you to, to pray, God, how would you want me to leverage this little blessing, I wish we could do more for everybody, but this little $50 blessing, what could we do to influence and impact and bless my sphere of opportunity, my sphere of influence for the kingdom of God? To just, to just bless them in Jesus' name. Sound good, teachers? Come on, let's give it up for our teachers one more time. So Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm. Keep me from harm. This is a prayer we want to pray. Number three, pray for protection. Pray for protection. Look, the enemy is like a roaring lion prowling around, seeking whom he may devour. And some of us have an inaccurate understanding of the enemy. Here's kind of where some of us stand. You kind of see the devil as like, I mean, come on. Right? Like you see him as like with, with a dark uh, uh, handlebar mustache in a, in, a, in a tight spandex wrestling outfit that's red. The pitchfork, like a character than an enemy, you got you to change that. He's not, he's not a fairy tale, okay? There are others of you that are on this side, and, and you, you, you see the devil in everything, like all oh, the, the spirit of pimples all over my teenager. No, they're just a teenager. They're just pimples. That's all. It's just pimples. It's not, that's not a demon. That's acne, Okay. And, and you're trying to find a devil in everything. Sometimes light, it just rains on the just and the unjust. Sometimes, But I, I want to invite us to kind of come towards the middle and, and understand the devil isn't ev every issue that, that, that goes wrong. And the devil isn't a fairy tale. He's real. He's a real enemy. And he, his job description, steal, kill, and destroy. And we want to pray protection 
We want to pray protection over our families, over our lives, over our decisions, over our mind. And we pray against those things that are going to come against us from the outside in. But can I tell you that there's this interesting connection here, how Jabez is praying. Let's look at this. I'll be free from harm. Keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. Now, remember, Jabez's whole identity, Jabez's name is pain. Jabez is one who causes pain. Can I tell you that sometimes the greatest attacks are not from the outside in, they're from the inside out. And the enemy will get you focused on your own insecurities, your own shame, your own guilt, the stuff that Jesus already paid for and washed away that you want to keep hanging on to. Can I remind you there is power in the words I say over myself and others So I got a question for you. Have you sprayed for ants lately? Have you sprayed for ants? The other day, we added a little uh, landscape area in the front of our drive by our mailbox. And at night, I went over and I I grabbed some of our solar-powered lights that light up the house. And I moved some of them into the front landscaping. And I was designing them. It was all dark, so I couldn't see. But I didn't realize that when I grabbed those solar-powered lights out of the dirt and the mulch and I walked them over, uh, they had ants all over them. And before I knew it, there were ants all over both of my arms. And and I started, somebody thought I had the Holy Ghost in the middle of the night in the front. I was like, whoo, whoo. No, it was just ants. It was just ants. I, I, didn't even, I didn't even realize the ants were everywhere until they started attacking me, until they started biting me, and I felt the, 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 the sting of the, of the bite. Now, I'm not talking about ants, okay? I'm talking about automatic negative thoughts. The power of the words that you say on a tape recorder over and over about yourself because someone else said it a long time ago and now you can't see yourself except that way. I'll never make it. God, the, the, the building would fall down if I ever came back to church or God must be mad at me. There's no way God would let, uh, uh, I'm just never gonna amount or automatic negative thoughts in the name of Jesus. Be free from that. Be free from that pain, that identity that someone else has placed on you. One of the groups that you can sign up for is on Sunday nights, and it's called Encounter. It's really more of an experience than just a group. It's around round tables. There's lots of people that go. It's here on campus at the Lufkin location. And the whole idea of Encounter is to really deal with a, a lot of the ants <laughs> um, and also identity, really understanding who we are in Jesus, starting there so that we can understand how God operates in our lives. Grow Track is all about influence, Christ-like character, conduct, and convictions. All the other small groups are that, that we would be surrounded by other people that are on the same journey so that we don't do life alone because it's so easy that we get attacked when we're running solo. But when he brings people into our lives, we're meant to not do life alone. Don't let those automatic negative thoughts keep you from receiving what God wants to give you. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm. But if you're not careful, you skip over a critical piece just like we've already skipped over. 
I've given you three of the pieces of the Jabez prayer, but we skipped over the most important piece. And really, this is the linchpin for all the other prayers that we're praying in the prayer of Jabez. But just like we skipped over it in the message, we tend to skip over it in everyday life. Jabez says, let your hand be with me. More than you need to pray for blessings and influence and protection, let me tell you the greatest prayer we need to be praying is pray for presence. Let his hand be with us. But this is the story of us. This is us. We're addicted to taking stuff out of God's hand. God, no thanks. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Your hand can be with me as long as your hand guides me the way that feels right to me, that that I feel like identifies best with who I am or who culture says that I am or the way my emotions are or whatever, you name it. Or I know this is the way you said marriage is supposed to look, but I see it differently and this just isn't fulfilling me and I just want it. Just Would your hand be on me if I just take you and get out of your presence and just kind of go over here? Can I still have your blessings? Can I still have influence? Can I still have your protection? And God says, what? What? This is what happened to the nation of Israel. This is what happened to the people of God when they exodused out of Egypt. They wanted to take matters into their own hands. They weren't out, but for a few weeks, God had delivered them. And Moses is up in the mountain. He's gone solo. He's gone incognito. He's talking with God. And they're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I don't know. Let's go get some gold. Let's throw it in a fire. Let's make a calf. Let's worship a calf. And Aaron says, great idea idiot but they want to take matters into their own hands and so they go back to what they understood in Egypt and they took on the customs of false gods and they start worshiping false god hoping that the false god is going to give them direction and I want to tell you we're doing it not with golden calves but we're doing it in the mirror with us as our own false god and here's what God says to Moses They're about ready to enter the promised land after having wandered for 40 years because they couldn't get it right. He says, okay, depart, go up from here. I'm gonna send an angel. Ooh, I like that. Mm, Guardian angels. I'm gonna send an angel before you. I will drive out the Canaanites. You will go up to a land flowing. Mm, With milk and honey, baby. That's the way I like my oatmeal. Milk and honey. That sounds really, really good. That sounds like influence. That sounds like blessing. That sounds like protection. But what does God say? It's the linchpin. But I will not go with you. So let me ask you a question. Write it down. If I could get God's blessings without God, would I take it? If you could have all the wealth, health, and prosperity without a relationship with God, would you take it? Some people would. And it's the way the Israelites were behaving. And frankly, many people for an allegiance to a political party are begging for the blessings of God on a nation, but trying to do it in a way 
that isn't surrendered to the heart of Jesus in our life. Want the blessings of God without God? That's like the story of humanity. Eve, I, I, can, I can eat the fruit and I can have all the blessings and I can be as wise as God. In other words, I don't really need God, but I can get all the blessings. That's desirable. <laughs> but Moses' response is, I hope my response, I don't know about your response, but I want this to be my response. And sometimes I've lived in a way that it isn't my response. I want this to be, I want this to earmark my life. Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. I'd rather be in the wilderness, trust in manna every single day, than go into milk and honey and you not be with me. That's the most important thing, everybody, the presence of Jesus in our lives. We can give away groceries, but the goal of giving away groceries is to bring people into an atmosphere that, that lets them begin to understand these groceries are going to fade away, but Jesus loves you. Jesus will meet your needs. Timber Creek won't meet your needs. This pastor won't meet your needs. Jesus will supply what you need when you need it. If you put all your trust in churches, guess what? Churches let you down. You put your trust in pastors, pastors let you down. You put your trust in God. God will never leave you or forsake you. His presence will go with you. The blessings may not look like land flowing with milk and honey, but his presence and his hand is enough. So write it down. I've got to see God as beautiful, not just useful. Okay, he's not, he's, not, he's not your arranged marriage to get you a certain kind of citizenship that grants you access to certain blessings. You see him as beautiful because you love him. And if you love him, you begin to obey his commands. And out of the loving relationship come the blessings and the influence and the protection. If you just see him as a big man upstairs, I, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna miss it because that's not what he ever intended because he didn't stay as the big God upstairs. He came as Emmanuel, God with us through his son, Jesus. Next, I have to see that without God, everything else is useless. It's all gonna burn up, everybody. You can't take it with you. All the influence you're gonna give, all the blessings you're gonna receive someday, someday we're gonna grieve your, the loss of your life too, and it comes like a vapor. Nine days ago, I'm having a coherent conversation with a wonderful woman of God, Miss Louise, going through cancer. I mentioned her last Sunday in the message, dealing with serious cancer. And I walked into that little room there in the living room of a friend's house. I said, Louise, how you doing? And she says, it's a win-win. It's a win-win. If I'm healed, it's a win. If I die, it's a win Louise passed away this morning, midnight, 1220. So quickly, life is a vapor, everybody. As I prayed over her the other night and the family was there yesterday, the prayer that I felt like the Lord deposited in my spirit was, um, God, give us more Louises who understand what real blessings are, who leverage their influence in their life, not just for personal gain, but for the gain of the kingdom of God.
I'm going to tell you, she, a woman of God, senior citizen who traveled through the journey of this church that has changed over time, over time, over time. Music that we do on Sunday, probably not her first choice. But loved Jesus and worshiped still. Why? Because it's a win-win and she had the right, out, she had the right outlook. I'm going to tell it, I love it. She came to me about 90 pounds ago. I was 90 pounds heavier. Patted me on the belly. So, what you going to do about that? <laughs> I said, something. <laughs> you know. She said, I know you carry so much stress. I just want you to have the energy to lead this church. Come on. Faithful to the wounds of a friend. She was a friend. I'm praying for the next generation of Louises, everybody. That also know without God, it's useless. Without God, what, what do we have? Sure, you can have the nice house. I got a nice house. I got a great house. If I don't have God, what do I have? It's just bedrooms and bathrooms. It's just concrete and sheetrock. You have nice stuff. It's just stuff if you don't have God. If you don't have his presence, if you don't have his hand. And do you know what? The hand of God is not just for us to experience his presence, but so that others would experience the presence of God through us. That's, you, are, you are one of the closest ways people are going to see Jesus on this side of eternity. In the book of Acts, they say it like this. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Why? Because the hand of the Lord was on them. And as the hand of the Lord is on you, not just to bless you, but to bless others, that people begin to see God and they say, there's something different. What is it about you? And you say, oh, sit down, let's talk. So Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me. Keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And do you know what God did? <laughs> Do you know how Jesus responded to that? How God in heaven responded? I love it. God granted his request. He's a good God, everybody. But now it's the question, and I finish with this. How are we, though, with all our sins and flaws, able to stand in the presence of a holy God that wants to grant our request, but we are flawed and we're sinful and even when you bow a knee and you ask Jesus to forgive you you are cleansed and you can take that to the bank but we all have sinned and fall short so just because you've been cleansed doesn't mean that you don't have the capacity to continue to sin and fall short of the glory of God now you shouldn't have to feel like you're in limbo all the time do I have to say a prayer to forgive me every single like that God would save me you can walk in security but don't take it for granted either take it for granted because you're, you're sinful and you're flawed and how are we able to stand in the presence of that holy God who will grant those requests <laughs> well because it's not you it's because Jesus took your place and what was owed to you God's a good God of blessing but he's also a holy God he's a God of, of vengeance of justice and his biblical judicial responsibility to separate wheat from chaff to separate sheep from the goats to be holy as he is holy 
you can't do it. You don't have enough strength to bite your bottom lip and make it happen. But every story in the Bible has the potential to point us to how we stand with all our sins and flaws. In fact, there's this big connection between Jabez and Jesus. The truth is Jabez prayed for blessing, but because of what Jesus has done, Jesus took the curse. You don't deserve blessings. You don't deserve it. But because Jesus took the curse of sin, took all the wrath of God, you have access to the blessings of God. Jabez prayed for influence. Don't you see it? Jesus left heaven's throne, gave up all his rights and became the ultimate servant. I mean, there wasn't even room in the inn. Born in a barn, placed in a manger, ankle deep in sheep manure. Anonymous. A cabinet maker's son. But he gave all that anonymity up to pay for your sonship. To pay for your inheritance as a son and daughter of the king. Jabez prayed for presence. And the first thing we see that Jesus says on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was forsaken. Jabez had the hand of God, but yet Jesus on the cross, the hand of God is removed. It's the only time in scripture that Jesus doesn't call God his father. Why? Because a father doesn't leave his child like that. A, dad, I would, a daddy wouldn't leave a kid like that. A good dad. The right dad, a loving dad, would scoop down and take the place. But the ultimate God placed on his own son the responsibility to cover our sins so Jesus is forsaken so you don't have to be. So that you can have the presence of God, Emmanuel, God with us. The spirit of the living God in you. Breathed in you by Jesus. Jabez prayed for protection. Jesus prayed this prayer too in his humanity. God, take this cup from me. Not my will. Yours be done. And you are protected because Jesus was crushed for you. So what does this mean? How do we, with our sins and flaws, how are we able to stand in the presence of a holy God? <laughs> the Bible tells us how. We should come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Because there we receive His mercy, not His anger, not His wrath, not as I told you so's, not as I can't believe you did that when you were 14. We receive His mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So you want to pray for blessings? Pray it up. You want to pray for influence? Pray it up. You want to pray for protection and, and, and for provision and for the territory to be enlarged? You pray it up, but it's not what you could ever do. You have access to all that because of what Jesus has done for you and he's the one that gives us new names 
to a Peter, to a Simon, he says, your name's Peter. You're going to be a rock. To a Solomon, born of David and Bathsheba, a marriage that never should have taken place. He says, I know, I know you're Solomon, but I, I named him Jedidiah, beloved of God. Solomon means peace. Oh, I have peace. God says it's beyond peace. It's I love you, David, and I forgive you. All of those names and chronicles are leading to the name above every name. All those 600 names and chronicles are leading to one name above all names. And in the book of Matthew, when we begin to read the genealogy, the ancestry.com 23 and me of Jesus, Solomon, who never should have been in there, is in that genealogy. Tamar, a prostitute, should have never been in there. Foreigners, because in the Jewish culture, you had to, to Jews marry Jews. And in the line of Jesus, the Messiah, there's foreigners in the line of Jesus. What are we saying? Anybody, everybody, no matter whether you feel like you deserve the blessing of salvation, whether you deserve to have influence, whether you deserve the presence of God, nobody deserves it, but he pays for all of it. <laughs> what a breakthrough. What a breakthrough. Everywhere, everybody, would you close your eyes and let's pray. First of all, I just want to say, if, if you're here and you want to start praying the prayer, the, the, don't start with the prayer of Jabez. Start with this. Jesus, I need you. I need you in my life. For the first time or the first time in a long time, I come to you and I surrender. Where can I go without your hand? I, I, I need your presence in my life, and I, I just start there. In fact, let's all just restart from there. If you give me all the influence and blessings, but I don't have your presence, God, I don't have what I, what I really need. So, Lord, start from the inside out. God, change the identity that some people have been walking in the pain, the hurt, the rejection, the, the wound identified by that brokenness versus the wholeness that you bring. We make that exchange today because you made that exchange for us. For everybody in the room, I pray that you would grant these requests as we pray big, bold, divine prayers. We ask it in the name of Jesus, the strong son of God, and everybody said, amen.